Welcome to Peace by Believing. My name is John Redmond, and I'm the associate pastor at First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. And on today's program, we're going to be thinking about how to survive a satanic attack. Now, I wish I could say that there's no such thing as a satanic attack, that if you love God and try to walk as closely with Him each day as you possibly can, that you just don't have to worry about the devil. But that wouldn't be true. In fact, that would be a lie. The Bible says that we have an enemy who goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so if we're going to be victorious in the Christian life, we must learn how to survive one of his attacks. As we'll see in the sermon that we're about to listen to, the devil has three primary plays in his playbook. First, temptation. Second, trouble. And third, threats. The devil will bring those three things into your life. Sometimes he will tempt you to sin. Sometimes he will bring trouble into your life that is almost unbearable. And sometimes he will threaten you or intimidate you in some way. And so if we're going to survive those attacks, we've got to know what to do when each of those weapons come against us. And so I'm praying that today's program will be a special blessing to you. If you'll open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter number 5, I want us to begin by looking at a very familiar verse. Most of you will know this verse. You may not know where it's from, where it is, but you have probably heard this verse many times in your life. And I want us to begin here tonight, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. And Peter is writing to a group of Christians who are under attack by the enemy. For their faith in Jesus Christ. And here's what he says. Be sober or uh, pay attention. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so we learn from this verse several things. We learn first of all that we have an enemy. We learn secondly that his name is the devil or Satan. And he's going about like a roaring lion. You know, it would be good if the devil were already in hell. How many of you wish he were already there? Say amen. I'd like it very much if I could come out here tonight and announce to you that God just called my house and said, John, good news. I just sent the devil to hell. And you'll have no more problems. But that hasn't happened yet. Nobody is in hell yet. We know that the devil used to be a beautiful angel in heaven with God. And his name was Lucifer. He was one of God's most beautiful angels, an archangel, in fact. And over a process of time, Lucifer became envious of God. He noticed that everybody in heaven was worshiping God. And Lucifer began to, in his heart, desire the same worship that God was getting. And so he devised a plan where he would rise up, where he would promote himself, where he would have the same power, if not greater, than God, and uh, that he would take God's place over in heaven. And it's an amazing thing. The Bible teaches us that as he was trying to take God's place, he got a third of the angels to follow after him. And God cast Lucifer out of heaven 
and those other angels all were cast out of heaven. And that's, of course, when uh, the angel became the devil. God didn't create the devil. God created an angel, and he became the devil when he rebelled against God. But of those many angels, we don't know how many, because we don't know how many angels uh, there are to begin with, but there, there are multiplied thousands of them, and a third of them were cast out of heaven. Now, the question is, where are those angels today? The fallen angels, where are they now? Well, some of them we know from the New Testament are in a place called Tartarus, T-A-R-T-A-R-U-S. What is Tartarus? Tartarus is a place, it's located in the underworld, it's located below Hades. And I've said this before, and I'm not going to belabor it tonight, but if an unbeliever dies now, like today, if an unsaved person dies, where does that person go? Well, they don't go to hell, not yet. Nobody's in hell. They go to a place called Hades, and one day they'll be sentenced to hell. As I've said before, Hades is like the county jail, and hell is like the state penitentiary. So Christian, non-Christians who have died are now in Hades. One day they'll be sentenced to hell. But the Bible says that many of the fallen angels have been placed in a place below Hades, or at the very least, we would say, in the lower part of Hades, the darkest part of Hades, and they have been bound with chains, and they are waiting the final judgment. Now, if all of the fallen angels were there, that'd be good for us. If uh, the devil were there, that'd really be good for us. But this verse says, the devil's not in Tartarus. The devil is not chained. He's going about like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. And the scripture says, he walks about, and so he is on the loose. Now, there's another verse that I wish you'd just write this down, and uh, you can look it up later. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11, the Bible says, we're not ignorant of his devices. Say that with me. We're not ignorant of his devices. We're not ignorant of his schemes. What does that verse mean? It means the devil has strategies. He has plans. He has devices. He has schemes. He has plays in his playbooks by which he would attack you, attack me. And ultimately, it's not just for the sake of, uh, you know, making us frustrated or angry or anything like that. It says he has these plays in his playbook. He goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And so his goal is your destruction. If someone has never been saved, the devil's goal for that person's life is that they never would get saved. And one day they would die and go to Hades, and eventually they'd end up in hell. But after a person is saved, the devil doesn't just back off and say, well, that one's saved, so I can't do anything to him. I can't do anything to her. No, he resorts to plan B in his playbook. Plan A was to prevent us from being saved. Plan B is to ruin our lives after we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior. Now, the question is this. How does the devil try to destroy us, devour us? What are the plays in his playbook? Well, I want to give you three words tonight to, to write down because I think anything that the devil would ever do in your life or in mine to try to devour us could somehow be summarized in one of these three words. The first word is the word temptation. The second word is the word trouble. And the third word is the word threat. Those are the three plays in the devil's playbook. Number one, he tempts us to sin. 
Number two, he sometimes brings trouble into our lives. And number three, and this third one may be a bigger problem than we are aware of, sometimes the devil will threaten us. He will intimidate us. He will instill fear in our minds. And we start thinking about all the bad things that might happen to us. And, and, uh, and he can literally paralyze us with fear. I'm thinking even now as I'm speaking of a pastor who many years ago was serving God. In fact, he's still serving God today. And he was preached his morning services there at his church. And after the service was over with, he went back to his office and took off his microphone and got his keys to get ready to go home. And he just collapsed in his office. And some of the people who worked at that church came in there and noticed that he was, that he was down like that. And they became very concerned about him. And so they called 911 and the ambulance came, took him to the hospital, ran all kinds of tests, ruled out really anything medical, which was a good thing. He spent some time in the hospital. And when his doctor finally came to meet with him, the pastor said, or the doctor said to the pastor, he said, Pastor, medically speaking, there's anything wrong with you. And the pastor said, but there's got to be something wrong with me because I'm not, I, I, I collapsed. I couldn't get up. And even though I'm in the hospital now and y'all have got me a little bit better, I'm basically non-functional. I can't, I can't function. And the doctor said to this pastor, he said, you know, in my career, I have seen people who are experiencing what you're experiencing, and there's no medical reason for it. He said, it's what I call the devil's grip. And he said, whether it's your workload, whether it's stress in your life, whether it's something going on in your mind, I, that part I can't tell you, but it's just what I call the devil's grip that sometimes a person can get so uptight, so stressed out, so whatever, that it is like they are immobilized. It is like they are paralyzed. And this particular pastor had to be away from his church for three months while he had to get his life back in order. But the point I'm making is tonight, sometimes the devil will do that. Here's a man have any, no medical issues. And yet, whatever it was, the devil used to put him in a vice, to put him in a grip, to intimidate him and to make him afraid and rendered him, put him out of business, not forever, for three months. Thank God he came back. But what I'm saying is tonight, these are the devil's three plays, temptation and then trouble and then uh, threats, the things that he, remember this, when it comes to the devil, the battle is in the mind. If he can get in your mind, he's got a hold of you. And so that's why we have to guard what we think about and what goes in our minds. And so that said, what I want to do tonight is to show you how to survive a satanic attack, no matter which of those three levels it may be coming to you on. So let's just talk, first of all, let's just start by thinking about temptation. What do you do when you're tempted to sin? Well, the verse in the Bible that comes to my mind is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and in verse 18, and the Bible simply says this, flee sexual immorality. Say that with me. Flee sexual immorality. And so when you're tempted to sin, the, the wise thing to do is to run. You get away from it. You get out of the situation. Wherever you are, when you are beginning to experience that type of temptation, you just run. You remember the movie Forrest Gump? You remember the line in the movie that said, run, Forrest, run? <laughs> well, I think that's what God would say to us when we're tempted uh, to sin. We run. There are two examples in the Old Testament, at least two, of men who were tempted to uh, compromise their morals. 
and one of them ran, and one of them didn't run. The one who ran was Joseph. He was tempted, and he ran. And the one who should have run was David, but he didn't run. He got himself in a mess that caused him all kind of problems in his life. And so anytime uh, the devil comes at you uh, with a sexual temptation, the best thing to do is to run. Now, the second thing that he brings in our life is trouble. So what do we do when we're faced with trouble? Well, we don't run from trouble. You know, some people run from trouble. They get in a situation, it's trouble, going through a hard time, and they think, well, I got to just run. Well, that's not when you run. Uh, when you're going through trouble, that's when you kneel. And I wish you'd write the word down. That's the antidote to trouble is to kneel. So turn back in the Old Testament to the book of Job. I want to just show you a verse here about Job, a man who uh, experienced all kinds of trouble in his life. In fact, the devil brought all the trouble into his life. And you're familiar with the story of Job, how the devil came uh, to God one day and the devil said, God, the only reason Job is serving you is because you've been so good to him. You've given him all this money and all these things. He has a great reputation, a great family. Why wouldn't he worship you? And basically, the devil said to uh, God, if you allow some trouble to come into Job's life, then uh, he'll curse you to your face. And God, in essence, said back to the devil, you don't know Job like I know Job. Job is not worshiping me because of all the things I give him and all the things I do for him. Job is worshiping me because deep down in his heart, he loves me. And so God gave the devil permission, limited permission, but nonetheless, he gave him permission to bring some trouble into Job's life. And he lost his, his, uh, his money. He lost his kids. All 10 of his kids were killed on the same day. But look what Job did in chapter 1 and verse 20. The Bible says, Then Job arose, and he tore his robe, and he shaved his head, and he fell to the ground, and he worshiped. And so what did Job do when he had all this trouble come in his life? He got down on his knees, and he began to worship God. That is always the wise thing to do when you have trouble, to get down on your knees and to pray, and to say, God, I'm asking you, with this trouble going on in my life, you know, sometimes you can be going through so much trouble, you can't even talk to God in full sentences, or you certainly can't talk to him in paragraphs. It's just what's going on in your life, and you just have to say, God, it's so much, and I'm just giving this over to you, and I'm asking you to help me with this trouble. You know, sometimes when we do that, God takes the trouble away. He does. I was talking to a lady today. She started coming to our church a few months ago. She, uh, she got saved. She's been baptized. And the first time I met her, in fact, the day she got saved, she said, John, I need you to pray for me about something else. She said, I'm glad that I'm now saved that Jesus is in my heart but she said uh, as you can tell I'm pregnant and she said I'm excited about that she said but the doctors are telling me I've got a malignant tumor in my abdomen and because I'm pregnant they can't go in and take the tumor out till after I have my baby and so she said I've got to carry my baby full term with the tumor have the baby and then go back for a second operation to get that tumor out and so a few weeks ago, she had her baby, baby's healthy as can be, but she saw me today after one of the services, and she said, John, I've got to tell you something. I, she said, uh, I went back to my doctor, and he did a check on the tumor, and said, the doctor told me that the tumor can't be found. The tumor's gone. God got the tumor out of my, 
out of my abdomen. And so, and I said to her, I said, you know, I just admire you. I said, you started coming to our church. You got saved. You following God. You got baptized. And you have trusted and honored God. And now not only do you have a, a beautiful baby, but you have uh, no tumor. And that cancer is gone. It's a, it's a true miracle. And I want to just say to you today, never underestimate the power of God. And just because the doctor says, here it is, that doesn't mean it's there to stay. Because God can get that out, and God can change that report, and God can... But the point is, when, when trouble comes into your life, whether it's sickness, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's the loss of a job, whether it's finances, a lot of people are having financial trouble. Whatever it is, we're always wise to do what Job did, to get out on our knees and to say, God, here I am. There have been times in my life I said something like that to God. God, here's what's going on. And there's no need for me to try to explain, tell God everything. He already knows. But just, God, here's what's going on in my life. And I am praying for divine intervention. And I'm praying for you to help me. So when trouble comes into our lives, we always want to kneel. Now, how about the third thing? Turn back to Ephesians chapter number 6. I want to show you what to do when the devil threatens you. Now, remember, when we're tempted, we run. When it's trouble, we kneel. But when we're being threatened... What do we do? We stand. S-T-A-N-D. We stand. We don't run. You see, when you're being tempted, it would be wrong to stand when you ought to run. But when you're being threatened, it would be wrong to run when you ought to stand. And that's what I was saying at the beginning. Sometimes the devil will intimidate you and threaten you. It may be just by giving you a thought in your mind that, you know, something bad is going to happen to you. It may be that God uh, or that the devil uses some other person in your life to literally try to intimidate you or threaten you or blackmail you and to say, you know, if you don't give in to my demands, I'm going to do so-and-so. Well, just let them do so-and-so because we're not supposed to run. Now, in Ephesians chapter 6, look in verse number 10. This is Paul talking, and you talk about a man who had been threatened in his life. He said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Now, watch this that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes or the schemings, the plots of the devil. So Paul is saying, here's what you have to do. You put on the armor of God. Basically what that means is you walk in faith and you get your mind right with God and you try to live right. You put on the whole armor of God so that you'll be able to stand. Now look down in verse number 13. He says it even more strongly. Therefore, he says... Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Now watch this. And having done all to stand. You see, when the devil comes at you with a threat, intimidation, what is he trying to do? He's trying to make you fall. He's trying to make you run. He's trying to make you quit. He's trying to make you give up. And that's when the Bible says, 
that's when you need to stand. You stand. You refuse to run. You refuse to hide. You refuse to give up. You just stand. Now, turn back to Acts chapter 18, because there Paul is giving us instructions on what to do when we're being threatened, whatever it might be. I mean, the thre- threats and intimidation can come in a lot of different directions. And, um, They've certainly, I mean, we've all experienced that. But in Acts chapter 18, the Apostle Paul is in Corinth, which is in modern-day Greece. And the people there are turning against him and threatening him, uh, all these kind of things they're going to do to him. And Paul's like the rest of us. He's trying to figure out what to do. He's probably thinking, well, maybe I should just leave Corinth because I'm not being very well received here. And so one night, Paul went to bed, and he went to sleep, and I'm I'm assuming he was asleep because he had this vision from God. Maybe he's just laying there in the bed, and God revealed himself. But nonetheless, Acts 18, verse 9, it says, Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. And here's what God said to Paul. Do not be afraid. Now, why would God have told Paul not to be afraid? Because he was afraid. And so he says, don't be afraid. But speak, and do not keep silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. And so God was saying to Paul, listen, Paul, I know what's happening down there in Corinth. I hear what they're saying. I know what they're trying to do to you. They're trying to kill you. And you're about ready to just leave town and go to the next place. But here's what I'm telling you to do. Right now, you just stand. You just stay in Corinth. And he stayed there for a year and a half after he had this vision. Preached the gospel. A lot of people got saved. He started a church there. It's a beautiful thing. But the point is, he just stood. Wouldn't it be a wonderful testimony if non-Christians were able to look at Christians who are going through trouble, of all kinds, who are being threatened in ways absolutely unbelievable, and that a non-Christian would look at a Christian and say, I'll have to say one thing for that person, he doesn't run, she doesn't run, she doesn't give up. You know, earlier in this service tonight, I was just looking around, I was sitting, of course, on the front row, so I couldn't see what was behind me, but I could only see what was in front of me. And what is in front of me is the choir and the orchestra. And I was thinking about people who are facing trouble and people who I'm sure some of that trouble the devil is using to threaten them and to make them afraid and to make them run. And I never would want to embarrass anybody, but since she's my friend, I will embarrass her. I looked up there tonight on the choir in the front row and saw Vanessa Vordenbaum. She texts me on Friday night. And she, you know, she's battling cancer. And she said, John, pray for me. She said, tomorrow I'm going to MD Anderson for a scan, for a CAT scan. And she said, Monday, I'm going back to get the results. And they were singing their songs a little bit earlier. And I thought on Saturday she had the scan. On Monday she gets the results. But on Sunday she's in God's house standing for her faith in Jesus Christ. That's a beautiful testimony. That's a beautiful testimony. To stand. You know, some people preach their sermons without saying a word. 
I mean, it's just like those of us who know their story, they walk in the room and it's just kind of like we think, or at least I think, you don't have to say anything. The fact that you're here says to me that you're standing. Well, we all want to stand strong during difficult times like that. And the lady that I was talking about at the end of that sermon is one of the greatest Christians I've ever known. And as she has faced her battle, her faith in God has stayed strong and she has just continued to move forward as best as she possibly can. And I really believe that's the way to stand for God, to trust Him and to keep moving forward. And so that's what I encourage you to do today. Whatever trouble you might be facing, whatever threats may have come into your life, you just make a decision to trust God that He's gonna see you through this. He's stronger than the problem you're now facing and He's more than able to see you through. And then as best you can, just stay faithful to Him. I want to thank you for listening to Peace by Believing today, and I want to encourage you to visit our website at peacebybelieving.org. There are helpful resources, booklets, sermons, other things that can help you. Look at it this week, and I pray it will be a blessing to you.